Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into my top 10 new December films in today's episode. What's this? What's this? The simply sensational standing ovation of Royal Dalton Musical. What is this? This is where you want to be. What is this? You know, one of the things I love about December and uh, January, uh, by extension, especially for films sake is generally just how good those months are watching film i i think you know on the one hand you're ca- i you know i spend a lot of it catching up on uh, great stuff i missed throughout the year and stuff that's coming out and the limited releases that are expanding and and now since i joined film independent the screeners that they're sending me for films that aren't even out yet uh for most people and that that you know that is just such a great that's what makes i think december so good uh, when you when you're a fan of film and other months uh, are a lot more hit and miss and you know there's usually a couple of films you're looking forward to and if some of them don't live up to the hype or the expectation then it kind of uh, deflates the whole month in a sense but December so many things are coming out it's impossible to be completely disappointed and uh, I think again this is another example of that. Uh, this this month's list, top 10 list, is, you know, there's a lot of films I've already talked about on their own individual episodes, so I won't, you know, linger too long on those. Uh, but there are some good older films. There's a bunch of foreign language films featured on this month's list. And, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, the, uh, so this will be, this is the Wednesday episode for this week. Friday's episode will be the top 10 old films that I saw for the first time in 2019, uh, which is another episode I I love doing every year. I think it helps, um, I don't know, just kind of point out some stuff that I hope more people get a chance to check out uh, that, you know, maybe they missed when it came out. Maybe it wasn't even, maybe it came out before you were born, like some of these. But yeah, uh, that's an episode that I always, always enjoy doing. So, um, let's, uh, let's jump into this December's top 10 new films. Okay, number 10. 10th best film that I saw for the first time in December. I saw it December 28th, uh, 2019, uh, by default. It is 96 minutes long. It is from 1966. My summary, a donkey is passed from one owner to the next. I gave this a 79. It has a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. And this is Al Hassard Balthazar, directed by Robert Bresson, starring Anne Wiesemski, Walter Green, Francois Lafarge, Jean-Claude Gilbert, among others names that I am not familiar with. Robert Bresson, however, is a name I am somewhat familiar with, uh, having seen this this being the third film of his that I had seen. Uh, The other one I had seen before and and really enjoyed is A Man Escaped. I think it's a great film uh, from 1956. 
but uh, this was Al-Hassard, Balthazar, is on somebody's top movie list, I, I forget who exactly, and I uh, watched it for that, I believe, yep, I watched it on the Criterion channel, so, uh, suffice to say, you, you know, you go into a movie like this with high expectations, and, uh, you know, it's got a 4.0 on Letterboxd, average rating, and one of the things, you know, especially when you're looking at some of these films that, you know, have such some some kind of a legacy, you know, I've, I've heard the title Al-Hassar Balthazar before, I don't, never really knew what it was about, I wouldn't have in a million years said a donkey in any capacity, I wouldn't have recognized the poster, but a lot of the, what, what I, what's interesting about Letterboxd and the way that it functions for me is, you know, I spend a lot of time, like, finding films that I want to see and looking either through, you know, an actor that's in them, a director that's in them, a list that they're on, um, a year that they're released in. And just one of the, and, and, and the thing that I frequently look at, uh, especially, so when I'm doing, uh, you know, catching up all my 2019 films that I think I should see before I do my 2019 awards episode, I sort by, you know, all the films that were released in 2019, highest average overall rating. I just, you know, open up a tab for every single movie that I haven't seen that looks like it's not a documentary, uh, specifically like a stand-up special or, or a concert film or something like that. But then the next thing I look at when I get to the actual page, more so than the actual average overall rating, is the activity I have from friends. And I have quite a few friends on Letterboxd, and... It's 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 interesting. I get I generally get a good impression of of the quality of a film from the just the glimpse glimpse at the activity from friends. So there are some movies I'll pull up and they'll have all four star, four and a half, five star ratings from you know the last 10, 15 people that I've friends with that have seen it. And then some of them, uh, which you know Al Hassard Balthazar falls into this category. It's a little less uniform across the across the way you know three stars five stars one and a half stars three and a half stars three stars four and a half stars three and a half stars it's a much wider variety and I think that really helps me uh when that is the case uh you know I look at that and I'm like okay uh, maybe this isn't the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life I shouldn't give it that you know that expectation I shouldn't think of it as you know this is something that's going to become one of my top 10, 15, 20, 30, 50 movies ever. Uh, and, and it helps lighten the responsibility of the film, which, you know, is such a, if anything you can do to, you know, give a film, um, you know, to, to do something for a film, it's, it's to lighten the responsibility of that movie. You know, whether it's the next Marvel movie, whether it's the next Star Wars movie, whether it's the next, uh, you know, Christopher Nolan, or you're going backward and it's a Hitchcock, or it's a, uh, you know, somebody else, lightening that responsibility for the film, removing some of the pressure of the film to be the most amazing thing, uh, is, is so, so, it, it's, you can't speak to just how relevant that's going to be ultimately to what your opinion and reaction to that movie is. So, that said, Al Hazard Balthazar is here, here's here's what the movie is. The movie is follows this donkey 
like I said, and it's passed from owner to owner, and we kind of experience life, uh, humanity through its eyes and through the experiences it undergoes with various people that own it, that associate with it, that find it. And I was expecting, just getting that kind of general impression, I was expecting this to be very much, I don't know, to, to just have a, to lack much permanence in that way. You know, if this is going to be a, a donkey experiencing various people in humanity, I didn't expect to really get attached to any of the human characters. And that's not the case. Uh, they're actually human characters that very much, you know, appear and, and recur throughout this film, much much more so than I expected. And I liked that. I liked that quite a bit. Uh, it, it gave the film a little more um, dramatic uh, connection, dramatic character uh, than, than I expected, um, you know, by being able to attach myself to some of these human characters, because, let's face it, it's very difficult to attach yourself to a donkey, um, especially in a film where the donkey doesn't talk, it doesn't, it's not anthropomorphic, it doesn't, you know, have its own real character, you know, you get elements and, and feelings of the donkey, and, and you kind of commiserate with it, but you don't connect to it on the same level. And so getting to connect, particularly with the character of Marie, who's played by Anne Wiazemski, uh, is, is really wonderful and really goes a long way uh, to grounding the film. Uh, so I, I really liked it. I, I was a little skeptical. It is in a foreign language. It's in black and white. You know, there's a lot of barriers to entry for a lot of people, but... I, I thought it does a really good job of um, revealing, uh, as intended, hum humanity, and, and in some cases, the lack thereof. Uh, donkeys, donkey, it, being a donkey is a very interesting choice, because, you know, I've, I, I, I think the donkey itself, and, and just the, the sort of way that we think of a donkey, you know, the fact that it's synonymous with an ass is, is, you know, kind of telling, you know, you don't have, you know, if, if this is a horse, if this is about a horse, it's, it's very much, I don't know, I think we, we, when you compare a horse and a donkey, horses are, you know, much, you know, a, a prouder animal, a, a more majestic animal, uh, you know, a more beautiful animal, and donkeys are just, you know, they're smaller, they're stubbier, they're sillier, they're uglier than horses, I think, in, in general, the general consensus of the animals it are. And, and so getting to see, you know, you have to kind of push past this idea that that matters. And, and it, it doesn't, you know, when you're thinking of, like, the well-being of the donkey and the well-being of the animal. But you know, and that's kind of, that's kind of Bresson's point, you know, he's breaking down this, this social barrier, this, this presumption, this expectation, and, and, you know, making this donkey such an important and, and tragic animal, all on its own, and I, I think he does it very, very well, so, if you're interested, check out Alhazard Balthazar, um, by Robert, directed by Robert Bresson. I really enjoyed it, and it's my number 10 from December.
Number nine. And we're already above, you know, in the 80 plus ratings for me. This, like I said, it was a really good month all around. Number nine, I saw December 1st. Uh, it's 90 minutes long. It's from 1983. My summary, a young thug wants to live up to his brother's reputation. I gave this an 82. It has a 70% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Coppola? 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 It is starring Matt Dillon, Mickey Rourke, Diane Lane, Dennis Hopper, Diana Scarwood, Vincent Spano, Nicolas Cage, Chris Penn, Lawrence Fishburne, among others. And this is Rumblefish. Uh, one of the many Francis Ford Coppola films, uh, you know, fam very, very famous for the Godfather trilogy, Apocalypse Now, The Conversation, Dracula, The Outsiders. And uh, the other one of those that I'd seen prior to this is Peggy Sue Got Married. And so uh, I believe, I forget who exactly it was, but I watched this because somebody had been born in either November or December. Uh, and uh, this was a good film to check off the list that I hadn't seen yet. I like Francis Ford Coppola. I'm going to keep saying his name differently every time. Uh, but, um, you know, I'm not over the moon for him. I think The Godfather is a phenomenal film. I'm not as high on The Godfather Part Two as most other people. I don't have a particular fondness for Apocalypse Now or The Conversation or Dracula or The Outsiders, uh, you know. So, so he, he's always, I don't know, I, I've never been part of the, the, you know, I never really revered him in, in, much, of, in much way. And so... It's not that I didn't think Rumblefish would be a good movie, just that um, it wasn't something I expected to, to really like. And why I was surprised. I was very impressed by, by what I saw in Rumblefish. I thought, I think it has some great performances, uh, particularly Matt Dillon, who, given like the, traject uh, the, the path it took me to see Matt Dillon as an actor, you know, most of the things I've seen it, I saw him from when I was younger are stupid comedies where he's not a really good at all and you know the older I get and the more films of his I see he's very good he can be a very very good actor uh and 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 so in Rumblefish I think he's great I think the cast around him is great uh the film drags a little bit uh in the middle which is interesting you know it's a very short movie but I think it has an explosive opening drags a little bit and then and then really picks up again toward the end and one of the things that I think can be said about Coppola is that you know like his film or not whatever the film is his his mastery of of what he's doing I think is fairly undeniable he clearly knows what he wants uh in 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 a way that so few directors appear to know and it doesn't really matter if you, the viewer, pick up on what he's putting down, if you can read what he's writing, in a sense, uh, because he knows. He's he's making a film exactly as he wants to. Uh, you know, very, he's, I think he's very much uh, like, um, like Kubrick in that way. And, 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 and it just, you know, so, so it's, it's kind of on, on you, the viewer, to kind of 
understand and learn and, and figure out and read between the lines about a lot of the different things and choices that he's making. And uh, I think Rumblefish is no exception. You know, I'm not really sure. I, I you know, having seen the film, I'm not exactly sure uh, what he was trying to say pers- uh, exactly. But I know what I heard coming out of this film, and and uh, for me, I understood it as just this this very perilous cautionary lesson about growing up and um, the way the world is not always what you perceive it to be. And and I think he uses Dylan's character and, and the relationship he has with his brother, with his family, with his friends to, to kind of hone in on on that particular message. And um, like I said, I don't know if that's that's the end all, you know, period of, of what's Rumblefish is doing. But that's what I got out of it. I think it tells it in a very beautiful way and a very ugly way uh, in, in its own right. So I'm a big fan. I really like Rumblefish. Uh, it's one of my favorite Coppolas, in fact. And um, if you haven't seen it, I would say check it out. Rumblefish, my number nine from December. Number eight. Number eight is a film that I watched December 12th. 2019 uh it's 22 minutes long it's the shortest film on this top 10 list and the only quote-unquote short film to make it it is from 1949 my summary terrible footage from a slaughterhouse i gave this an 84 it has no rating on rotten tomatoes it is directed by georges franjou uh, who also directed the only other film of his i've seen is eyes without a face which i very much enjoy uh, it stars nobody, really, because it's a documentary, and it is called Blood of the Beasts, La Sang de Bets, which I'm sure I just butchered, and I've seen a bunch of movies like this, uh, most of them much more contemporary, and so on the one hand, I think there's there's a certain delicacy and... Um, tenderness when you're showing something this brutal Uh, you know I I look at something like Dominion which is another film very similar to this that I I think is great it's a great film and the reason I think it elevates itself beyond just you know sort of like uh, you know gore porn status is because Dominion what it's doing it's not you know, it's not just a guy standing around in a slaughterhouse. It's, you know, he's using drones. He's, he's you know, he's he's got to be sneaky. He's got to be um, unnoticed when he's getting all this footage. He, it, 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 I'm, it must have taken him a long time to do it. And I think there's, you know, there's no sense in when you're watching Dominion that there's any responsibility or culpability being placed on the person making the film you know it is purely in an attempt to uh, blame the people that you see the humans involved and and so on and so forth and so blood of the beasts coming out in 1949 you know there weren't drones back then uh there are so many filmmaking techniques that didn't exist and uh technologies that didn't exist to make a film that looks and feels like something uh, like dominion now, Blood of the Beasts is very straightforward. It, it feels like the person, you know, the person filming is seems to be right there next to uh, the, the the butchering, the slaughtering, and 
so to a degree, uh, and I, I kind of talked referenced this when I wrote my review on Honeyland, because you're right there, you know, it's it's this weird thing uh, where you you know you're a filmmaker, you're making a film, and you want to capture what's happening as realistically as possible, but if the thing that's happening is so terrible, is so awful, is so you know x y and z you know at what point do you have to step in and at what point by not stepping in are you you know letting down um the people and 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 the the things involved in in what you're filming and i think that's a really great question i think it's not an easy answer i don't you know i think it's different for everybody how you feel about such an issue blood of the beasts uh does have elements of that but I think there's one aspect of it that sets it apart. And I think if it didn't have this, the, the ending that it has, I would feel a lot less, I feel a lot worse about it as far as, you know, why, well, why, you know, if you really, you know, if you're showing me this to make me like not want to contribute to slaughterhouses, and if you feel that way, like, why are you just standing around while people are doing stuff to them? And, you know, that has its own positives and negatives. But the ending of Blood of the Beasts is 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 such a it's it's fascinating. You know, Dominion in and of itself is very straightforward. It is about the killing of animals and, and the poor uh, the the awful way that that happens, and you know, exposing the the terrible terrible things that are going on in these these places. Blood of the Beasts is absolutely doing that, but then it has an entirely additional level that it's working on and it's such a huge blow because it's absolutely real it's absolutely true the connection it's making is is relevant and fair and you you don't and yet like the first 18 19 minutes of the film have nothing to do with it have nothing to do with the, the connection that the film makes and, and it's a really brutal it's a brutal film to watch and uh, then when you get to the end of it, it it really contextualizes things in a way that if you if you weren't against slaughterhouses even seeing the terrible things that are going on in them uh, you know it how do you how do you how can you not be when when you when the parallels that are drawn uh, are, are revealed? And so I think that additional bit of filmmaking, that that presence of mind by Franju to to give it this little kick, this little twist, I think really pushes it over the top for me, uh, and and that's why I think it's such a great film. Uh, so Blood of the Beasts, it's on Criterion Channel, uh, is my number eight from two thousand uh, from December of twenty nineteen. Number seven is another documentary. This one I saw December 29th. It is 98 minutes long. It is from this year, 2019. My summary, a young mother chronicles five years of her life for her daughter. I gave this an 85. It has a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is directed by Wad Al-Khatib and Edward Watts. And uh, this is For Sama from 2019. Uh, For Sama is... Um, another documentary uh, involving Aleppo and Syria and the terrible 
you know, conflict and war and fighting and, and death that's going on in that country and that city and all that stuff. But while I think a lot of films that I've seen evolving this conflict and evolving this tragedy generally look at it from a macro perspective, yes, they will focus on a couple of people specifically, but the film itself is, you know, pulled out and looking at the general conflict as a whole and, and how awful it is for this entire people, this entire, you know, area. For Sama, does it kind of the inverse, uh, does the inverse of that. It is pr- it is primarily about Wad Al-Khatib's, Al-Khatib's life, Khatib, um, and focuses specifically on her, on her daughter, on her husband, and at times it pulls out and, and shows you a little bit more beyond their life and, and shows you the impact it's having, having on other people and on the city around them. But it is first and foremost about her and, and the life she has. And I think that is what makes it... It just it, it, That's what makes it so powerful. You know, it, it's... It's reductive to call, you know, a film about thousands and hundreds of thousands of people less impactful than a film about one family but in in a lot of ways it's true you know it's it's the connection that 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 exists is is one that it's worth so much more than the statistic of how many people this is impacting um and the other part of it is you know as someone who has lived their entire life in the united states uh who is you know, generally had no, you know, I've never been in in a war zone. I've I've never had to feel anything remotely similar to to what Al-Khatib felt. And, you know, seeing the terrible situation that she's in and in her family, what they're going through. And when you finally, you know, Whatever, whatever point in the film it takes to get fully connected and on board and, and really experiencing what she's going through, there's a moment after that where your mind or whatever it is connects her experiences and her life and her situation to that statistic, to that other tens of thousands of people around that are just like her, that are going through the exact same thing. And it's it's unfathomable almost to feel like anyone should have to go through what she's going through that has to live in a place that is under that is that is experiencing all of these awful awful hardships and then when you step back and you and you put that exact same situation in you know however many other people's families lives that there are it, it just it just it, it's overwhelming it's it's devastating it's brutal it's agonizing to think you know like to, for me i go you know when i lived in pittsburgh i would frequently walking down the street biking down the street see homeless people uh you know and i, I don't you know there's i don't i wouldn't say that pittsburgh is like one of the most, you know, has some of the most most homeless people as for a city, but there are just enough where it's a very prominent thing that you see often. And 
it, it hurts it hurts to see somebody having to live that way when I know that I live in a much better situation than them and it hurts even more to know that like I I, I, I as much as I wish I could help that person as much as I want to you know change their life improve their life I, I don't have the the resources the capacity to do something like that you know and, and and then to go from there to saying, oh man, this homeless guy is, is just by this fact that he lives in the United States is in such a better position, is in such a better place than these people who aren't homeless living in Syria, living in Aleppo. And, and it just like, I could never, Having never been there, I could never, I can never wrap my head fully around that experience and that life. Uh, no matter how hard I try, no matter how many documentaries and films about it I see, I will never be in a spot, uh, I don't expect, you know, fingers crossed, I would never be, I will never be in a mindset, in a place in light, my life where I will fully comprehend what it means to live there. And this is a film that that really hammers that home it hammers home that that notion and i I think that is what makes it so powerful and and so so moving is is hammering home those elements so my number seven in december is for sama my number six is a film I have talked about, so I won't spend too long on it. I saw it December 16th. Uh, it is 191 minutes long. is the longest film on this month's list. It is from 1961. It's the last film on the list from before 2010. Uh, my brief summary. Trying to escape the war, the pacifist faces greater challenges to his resolve. I gave this an 87. It has no score in Rotten Tomatoes. It is directed by Masaki Kobayashi, starring Tatsuya Nakadai. Michio Aratama, Tamao Nakamura, among others, and that is the Human Condition 3, colon, A Soldier's Prayer. Talked, I did a, huge, a big episode on the entire Human Condition uh, trilogy. I love all three films. I do feel as though three is a small, 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 almost infinitesimal step down from the prior two, but it has a fantastic ending, uh, and, and any time a trilogy really nails an ending is is very something to be commended uh the character of kaji uh, played by tatsuya nakadai is one of the greatest you know cinematic characters ever i think he's his his journey is a horrible one it's a, a a very defeatist journey and yet he he continues he pushes forward he perseveres and uh, only to be met with worse. Only to be met with worse. So I'm a big fan. If you have, you know, then like 10 hours to spare, check out The Human Condition. Um, or at least look at the first one. I think if you... The, first, the second and third film are, are in a very similar style to the first film. So if you'll, you should know fairly on whether or not this is a trilogy that you will enjoy. So my number six, right? Are we on six? Yeah, my number six is The Human Condition 3, colon, A Soldier's Prayer. 
top five, top five films that I saw in December. Uh, number five, I saw it December 18th. It is 137 minutes long, just two hours, almost two hours and 20 minutes. It is from 2010, and it is the last film on this list that is not from 2019. My summary, a poetry student afflicted with Alzheimer's becomes embroiled in a situation involving her grandson's wrongdoing. There's a lot going on there. I gave it an 89. It has a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is directed by Lee Chang Dong, who is the director of Burning from last year. Uh, it stars Yoon Jong Hee, among others. And this is Poetry. I briefly touched on poetry uh, during the 2010 Circle of Film Award episodes. Yoon Jung, Yoon Jung Hee nominated for Best Lead Performance this past for that year. And I, I just... Now just having two films that I've seen from Lee Chang Dong, uh, I'm, I'm fascinated. I cannot wait to kind of dig into more of his films, Secret Sunshine... Uh, Oasis, Peppermint Candy, Greenfish. I'm really looking forward to... to you know, I'm two for two. And and not just like good for good, like great for great. And I, I can't wait to see more from him. Uh, this film in particular, Poetry, Yoon Jung-hee's character is... I just... She's so unlike any other character that you see in a movie. And, you know, she has this way about her where you kind of don't know, you know, because she has the Alzheimer's, she has Alzheimer's, you don't exactly know what she feels and what she thinks at all times. And, you know, the poetry element of the film and the title and then, you know, as we see it recur is is so important and plays such a huge role in what matters and what doesn't matter and, and how she operates and, and conducts herself when she's dealing with this character and this other character when she's looking at her grandson when she's dealing with uh, the other parents of other kids and in, in her grandson's class and so on you know it, it makes it gives Chang Dong and the film this opportunity to let her I don't know, there, there are scenes in this and, and events in, in this plot where a character in her position, you know, would be in, in tears, would be devastated, would be screaming and, and clawing for to change what's going on around her. And yet because of this, you know, because of her mental state, because of the Alzheimer's, because of et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you know, she's not like that. And it is such a credit to Jung Hee's performance and to the writing of this character that we accept those choices, that we accept those actions as real, as as you know, as actually having happened, as as fact. And um, I, yeah, I, I I thought poetry was phenomenal. I, I think it's a great film and absolutely, absolutely worth checking out if you can. I think it's on Amazon. Yes, you can rent it on Amazon right now for a very affordable cost. So number five from December is Poetry with an 89. Number four 
film I already did a review episode on, but briefly touch on it again. I saw it December 7th, 2019. It's 130 minutes long. It's from 2019. Uh, My summary, The Emotional Journey of an African-American Suburban Family. I gave this a 90. That is an 85% on Rotten Tomatoes. And this is Waves. Directed by Trey Edward Schultz, starring Kelvin Harrison Jr., Lucas Hedges, Taylor Russell, Renee Elise Goldsberry, Sterling K. Brown, among others. Waves is a film I loved. I thought it has incredible performances, top to bottom. Harrison Jr., Taylor Russell, and Sterling K. Brown are just incredible in this movie. Uh, I loved Schultz's direction. I thought he made a lot of bold choices. I don't think they all worked. Uh, but I do think that he he has a particular style and uh, he uses it very well in waves. Um, and when it does work, it does really, it, it's very effective. The narrative, the, the writing of this film is uh, very, very interesting and very, very different from a lot of the things I'm used to seeing uh, from any movie, really, it takes a couple of bold strokes, and I think, and for me, it really pulls them off. It, it pays off quite, quite easily. Uh, it's a film that, you know, is all over the Circle Film Awards right now. Director, two supporting actor positions at the moment, score, best scene, um, and, and it's definitely in the conversation for screenplay as well. Um, and uh, this late, this late, uh, this early in 2020, uh, there's a good chance it, it retains all those spots for sure. Uh, so, like I said, uh, I did a full review episode on Waves uh, with spoilers, I think. So, it's a shame not a lot of people are seeing it. It's a shame not a lot of people, not a lot of awards bodies are recognizing it. I think it deserves a lot more recognition than it's getting. And, um, I hope more people check it out. I don't know where it is to watch. I think it's still in some theaters, but um, not for probably for much longer. But uh, if you can get it, if you can see it, I would encourage going to see it. So that's Waves, my number four from December of 2019. Uh, number three is from Christmas Day, December 25th. 129 minutes long it's from 2019 my summary four daughters go through their lives with the hopes of success and greatness gave it a 91 has a 95 percent on rotten tomatoes it is directed by greta gerwig starring saoirse ronan emma watson florence Pugh, eliza scanlon laura dern meryl streep timothy chalamet james norton bob odenkirk chris cooper abby quinn louis garrell among others tracy letts among others and this is Little Women. I love Little Women. Uh, I like the story quite a bit. I've, I think this is like the fifth version of the film I've seen. And uh, I was a big fan of the film from the 90s with Winona Ryder. And this one, I, I love Greta Gerwig. I think that's no no small, you know, that's no secret. And I think she does an absolutely incredible job with this film. This is a story that, again, like I, I don't... Just knowing who's involved and who's behind the camera and who wrote it and, and all that stuff, I was excited for. But if I just knew it was a little women movie and didn't know who's attached to it, uh, you know, it doesn't 
there's not a lot of excitement there. It's not something I'm really looking forward to, having, again, seen this four or five times in the past already. But I think what Greta Gerwig does with the, the structure of the film, with the writing of the film, uh, then you combine that with some fantastic performances, particularly by Saoirse Ronan and Florence Pugh, uh, and then and, and Chalamet even uh, you know the the expanded roles for some of the characters who I think have not gotten significant roles in previous iterations of the film uh, the the way that it simultaneously you know speaks to the situation and and lives of these women at their t- in their time as well as it as it does uh, for women in our own time. I just think it does such a great job of, of, you know, wearing a lot of hats, as it were. Uh, it has a 4.4 average rating on Letterboxd. It is currently the 28th highest rated film, narrative film on Letterboxd ever, which is mind-blowing to me. Like, I love it, so like I don't fault it for being that high, but at the same time, I did not expect it to be that loved, and I thought there would be much more... Uh, like, not that it wouldn't be liked, but just it would only be liked more so. So I, I'm fairly surprised by that. But uh, it's great. I love it. Um, yeah, it, it's... Uh, and yet all of that, it kind of uh, underperforming as an awards contender, which is a shame. You know, it's not underperforming for me. I I think, let me see, I have it in eight categories right now picture director lead supporting screenplay score tactile and special effects almost everything across the board and i i don't know i i'm I'm just a big fan i I thought it was so heartwarming it's such a bittersweet film and gerwig you know the editing and the score the writing and the structure of the film lend itself so well to to how it ultimately plays out and um the, the very the events within it and, and the mirroring they do with stuff in the present and stuff in the past and I just I just like it I just like it a lot it's bit I'm a big 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 fan of Little Women from Greta Gerwig my number three um, my number two I saw it December sixth it is 133 minutes long it is from 2019 my summary a marriage falling apart pushes the people inside it beyond their limits. Uh, I gave it a 92. It has a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's directed by Noah Baumbach, starring Scarlett Johansson, Adam Driver, Laura Dern, again, Alan Alda, Ray Liotta, Julie Haggerty, Merritt Weaver, Aji Robertson, Wallace Shawn, Martha Kelly, Julia Greer, and so on, and so on, and so on. And this is Marriage Story, directed by the husband of Greta Gerwig, Noah Baumbach, a director I am very fond of, Francis Ha, The Meyerowitz Stories, Mistress America, Squid and the Whale, While We're Young, Greenberg. I think he's made some fantastic films, and this is no exception. I thought Marriage Story was phenomenal. It currently has a 4.2 average rating on Letterboxd. It's 143rd all-time on Letterboxd's top 250. It features absolutely powerful powerhouse performances from Johansson and Driver and Dern, Alda, Leota across the board. I thought Bombach's direction was fantastic. I think the writing is great. And it just... I, I, there's so many scenes in this that I, I wish I could 
you know, I, I could just take a picture of somehow. And I, it, it just, it's so impactful. You know, some of the best performances of the year are in this movie. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's on Netflix. Everyone can watch it. Everyone should watch it. You know, it, it does, at times, I think, it, in its worst moments, it feels like just another Blue Valentine, Kramer versus Kramer breakup film. Uh, you know, divorce struggle. And if that's the worst thing that can be said about aspects of this movie, then, you know, I think that's great. That's a great thing. That's a great mark to have. Uh, yeah. So one of my favorites, currently nominated for picture, director, lead, lead, supporting, and scene for me. Um, and, you know, again, another film in the conversation for screenplay. It's um, pretty fantastic. Pretty fantastic. So my number two, Marriage Story from 2019. My number one, best film that I saw for the first time in December I will not be revealing the score of this because I think just because it's a 2019 film, so I don't want to kind of give away some of the Circle Film Award results before they happen. So I will leave it up to you whether or not you think I gave it a higher score than I gave Parasite. Um, but this is a film I saw December 31st. It was the final film I saw in the year of 2019. It is 118 minutes long. It is a 2019 film. My summary, a painter is asked to paint a young woman who refused, who has refused to pose. It has a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is directed by Celine Sciamma, and it is starring Naomi Merlant, Adele Hanel, Luana Bajrami, Valeria Galino, and Christelle Barras, among others. And this is Portrait of a Lady on fire i've done a review episode it came out on monday actually and uh i i just i am so in love with this film i am so in love with the performances i love the camera work the way these scenes are composed and shot the cinematography in this film is phenomenal the direction and the writing from siyama is great i love her work i love her films uh i've seen everything that she has made tomboy girlhood water lilies pauline I've liked everything, and I think Portrait is one of her best, if not definitely her best film of all time, uh, at, at least on par with Tomboy, if not exceeding it. And for me, I have it barely exceeding it. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, it was, it was a film I wasn't even fully aware of not too long ago. And even after I learned what it, the title was, I didn't know anything about it. And then I found out that Siyama has had been the director, and it just, it just, it's that's all I needed. That's all I really needed. Uh, so I did a review episode on that. You can listen to that somewhere else. Currently, it is nominated for picture, director, lead, supporting, screenplay, score, tactile effects, special effects. Uh, I do intend to watch it again, uh, mostly to double to to see if there's a single scene uh, worthy of being nominated for best scene. And, uh, yeah, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, my favorite film that I saw for the first time in December. So, I will run down that list one more time. 
just to remind you, starting out with Alhazard Balthazar, Rumblefish, Blood of the Beasts, For Sama, The Human Condition 3, A Soldier's Prayer, Poetry, Waves, Little Women, Marriage Story, and finally, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Thank you for listening to today's episode. It does mean a lot. If you would like to find more episodes, you can find them on iTunes, Stitcher, most places where podcasts can be found. You can also head over to the website, circleoffilm.com, to find all the episodes and more. You can see all the current nominees for the 2019 Circle of Film Awards and so on and so forth. You can find me on Twitter at Circle of Film, Letterboxd at Circle of Film. You can email circleoffilm at gmail.com about anything and everything. You can support the show if you so wish by rating, reviewing, liking, subscribing, whatever it is, wherever you are. You can also tell people about it. That's helpful. You can listen to it. It's the most helpful. And if you are so inclined, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash circle of film, where for as little as eight cents an episode, you can get early access to all the episodes that are released early. And more. There's more there, too. Thank you for listening. And as always, have a week. So long, I know she'll never leave me Even as she fades from view So long, farewell, I'll be to say adieu Nothing's really left or lost without a trace Nothing's gone forever, only out of place So long, farewell, oh what I'll be to say Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So long.